once I questioned the aspect of my life, something I'd just done because that's what you do. You have your meat and your couple, you know, your tea veg or whatever. Um, it rippled into everything else. Like that idea of, whoa, hang on, the world I'm, I've been living in, it's just like, I've just, you mean you said at the beginning, like peeling back the layers. I it literally like, whoa, hang on. What I thought was reality suddenly has just been exploded. And welcome to the Coaching Life Podcast, where we peel back the bull crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. Today, I am talking with someone who seems to love cake and yet also manages to live a very healthy lifestyle. She is a creativity coach at her company. I think she describes it as the hub of what she do, which is called Including Cake, and describes herself as a plant-based foodie, a firewalker, a nature lover, a writer, a fitness fanatic, and a creative soul. I, I, you know, I noticed recently she marked two years since her first firewalk, which I'm sure we're going to talk a little about, and uh, that she's done about 130 of those since, and I think she's running her own event next month around that so right yes she's nodding okay Mm -hmm. right yeah uh i see from her social media as well as being creative with nutrition and being comfortable with some of the technical aspects of running a business she also loves to travel and seems to be as much at home having transformational conversations with people as digging up potatoes during a retreat in spain and uh yeah it seems to me that that portfolio is a wonderful representation of her creativity so big warm welcome to my guest today it's joe hodson hello thank you i love it i love i love hearing how other people perceive me and yeah that's a, a beautiful summary thank you <laughs> thank you what was that about digging up potatoes that was that was when i was in spain i was just um a little town town called Salabrenia, which is just east of malaga um and i was there for a couple of weeks as part of a work away and that's where you go and volunteer in return for your like somewhere to live so it's like a, mm-hmm. a trade and as such um, and they had some land and they had a vegetable patch and I just went and helped them out on their land in return for somewhere to stay. Yeah. It was beautiful. It means I'm not sitting on my computer so much as well when I'm on the, when I'm helping out on the land. So, yeah. Wonderful. So, so quite different from what I'm now going to ask you about then, because I noticed you transitioned out of working in a corporate, which, you know, mm. a lot of us have, have done that. And I, and I loved um, what you said about this, um, that you had the thought really that there must be more to life than this and you described that period as like living in neutral I'm like, oh my mm. gosh yes I remember mm. that it feels so much like that so mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit more about that realization and, and how you did transition from that into your current profession yeah there's uh how how deep do you want me to go on this there's a, there's a massive there's a whole story around that it's you know the person I was eight years ago compared to the person I am now like the person prior to that transition it's t- I'm a totally different person um so there is a whole story as to how I, how I came to that thought but the the coasting neutral thing was this kind of concept that I, I think I was approaching 30 at that point uh, I was about sort of 29 and I thought wow if I'm and I'd been in that that career for eight years that, that ever since my university days and I thought wow like I'm going to be, if I'm here in, uh, that was it, it was come up towards the end of the year. This was back in 2012. And I thought, if I'm here in January, 
I'm going to be here in another year and another year. And, and the idea of being there another year and another year. And I think it, about three years prior, three or four years prior, I'd, I knew it wasn't my calling. I knew it wasn't my thing. But I kept saying to myself, well, I'll just wait and see um, until, you know, something else will present itself. <laughs> then I'll leave. Once something else turns up, then I'll leave. But the problem is when you're in something like design industry, like architecture, and working 60 plus hours a week, you know, and I know I'm not alone in this. Other people do the same kind of thing in these, you know, industries where it's just, um, you, there's no space, there's no mental space to work out what it is you might want to do instead. Mm-hmm. So I kept telling myself, well, when something else presents itself, then I'll quit. But nothing ever did because there was no, no physical mental space for anything else to show up. And so that re- realization that, if I was there in January, I'd be there another year, was so terrifying, it became, that was the pivot point, it became more terrifying to stay than to leave. Mm-hmm. And so that November 2012, I think, I handed my notes in, I had to give a month's notice because I, ju- I just, I couldn't stay. Um, so that was that game-changing moment when when it, you know, it, it, the seesaw, you know, went into the, it's actually scarier to stay here now. Um, yeah. <laughs> I completely relate to it. In fact, um, I'd been talking about quitting corporate. I mean, I did it once in 2005 when I came across the concept of coaching and I, and I thought, oh, great, I want to do this. And I had a shot at it for about a year and run out of money. So I went back into corporate, but I was constantly talking about, well, I want to leave. I want to leave to the extent that like my boy would joke with me about it. You know, have you quit yet? Have you quit yet? That's all he ever said to me by messages and whatever if you quit yeah and that went on for years until actually i had this beautiful moment flying back from canary island this is funny because i came across this it's funny talked about this right now i came across this picture at the weekend um that i took out of the window and i I remember this exact moment of just knowing oh yeah i am i'm I'm giving notice just like the decision Mm. then had had occurred Mm -hmm. um but that and love to hear more about yours because your your transition if you like because in a way (laughs) that was the easy part actually Mm. it looked like it was the most difficult to actually Mm -hmm. make the decision but um then i yeah i just faffed around for quite some time trying to find my feet so after that moment what happened Mm. how was it for you i did faff around for quite some time but then i i'd given myself permission to do that because Mm. i I didn't leave with something to go to, you know, I, I literally leapt into the unknown, but, um, a couple of months prior to that decision. So yeah, yeah, not, not, not long before that I'd, um, I'd come out of a relationship and I'd moved back to my, to my mum's house. And I thought, actually, you know, if there was a perfect time, this is it, you know, I haven't got, I had no kids. I hadn't, didn't have real big outgoings. I didn't have, rent or a mortgage whatever I thought, well, this is my time I had, I had a little bit in savings you know not a massive amount but enough to sort of give me a bit of a buffer zone for for my very cheap lifestyle um and I remember telling myself then that I'd give myself sort of till the summer to figure out what it is that I wanted to do you know to at least get a real sense of direction because I had no, I had nothing and I thought if I just launch myself into something now it would just it would be doing it because I think I should be I shouldn't I should be getting a job or I should be it it wouldn't be from a you know real centered grounded heart you know place it would be very much should based oh I should be doing this so it was difficult but I had to give myself that chance just to faff about a bit and see what stuck kind of thing and I think 
one of the most difficult parts was the fear everyone else projected at me. You know, <laughs> I was just quitting this career, quitting this, in, you know, quit, wasting all my university education, all the stuff. And that was, you know, very much like thrown in my direction. And it was quite hard to just be with myself and say, I, I get it, I hear you, but, but it's okay because I, I need to do this. I need to get this out of my system. Um, particularly when I sort of said, well, if by the summer I haven't figured it out, then, then okay, I'll get a job. So that kind of shut people up for a bit or shut me up for a bit shut my own head up so so anyway we I got to the sort of the summer months and my blog including cake which I'd actually begun writing about a year prior so that fed into that decision a little bit even though it wasn't a business at that point it was just my own little outlet of sharing recipes because I'd gone vegan about a year prior since 2011 um back end of um and it was nothing more than my own little outlet, but I knew there was something there. It combined so many of the things I was passionate about, the design stuff and the photography and the, the creativity around language, just, just writing. And just even though I didn't know who I was writing to, I look back at some of my early posts and it just makes me cringe because it's so <laughs> obvious I didn't know who I was writing to. I didn't know my own voice at that point. Um, and it's just, it's funny. But that, I, that just began to evolve into basically into what it is now. Um, but that little seedling was something that I know there's something in this. And then in the, yeah, the summer of 2013, I signed up um, to do a health coaching qualification and also signed up, also signed up with the, um, the coaching Academy because kind of, I was, I felt pulled into the nutrition and the health, but also the mindset and the, sort of self-empowerment those two strands were really powerful so I signed up to do both because I couldn't pick um so that even though at that point I didn't have a sort of a a consistent income stream I knew my direction my focus that felt quite solid um and so I so I had to keep yeah to keep going with that I'm curious to what extent were you like looking ahead was it just like really being drawn to just that as a next step or was were you sailing to a particular was there a destination in mind there wasn't a destination I was re I was very aware of of my own evolution I mean the the, the, the prior six months and the months that led up to my decision to to quit my architecture career I changed so much I couldn't even you know a month not only not six months down then I couldn't anticipate who would be then so I found it very difficult to make decisions based on who I thought I would become or what I was aiming for because I was evolving so quickly. I just, I had to kind of go with my gut instinct and think this is what's calling to me right now. This is kind of pulling at my, at my heart in a way that nothing else ever has. So I've got to just run with this. And it was, yeah, it was much more, I was going to use the word spontaneous, but it wasn't so much spontaneous, but it was probably the first time ever I'd listened to myself, listened to my heart rather than just go on what, society dictates um and so I just had to trust that trust that something would show up um and that it would it would just happen and bearing in mind I was still at this point um living with my parents and I did, you know I, ha- I had this time on my side um I was doing a few hours on a desk at a gym you know to, to kind of cover the basics but it was it was sort of you know four hours in the morning three times a week a very minimal amount so that I didn't use that as a as a kind of distraction. Mm. Um, I specifically didn't want to get anything close to a full-time job because I knew I would then just, that, that would be the comfort zone and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be forced to, to grow in the same way. So that was a deliberate decision to keep um, 
a stable income at the kind of minimal <laughs> and i and i find that well um quite amazing actually because i know i mean i talk to people and i know that i do this a bit as well that i can look back on times of my life where okay phil despite all of that thinking that was going on you did at some point you just took the next step because that was all there was in front of you but it sounds to me like no it really was quite clear to you that you knew that that was all you had to do Mm, yeah I think so I never really thought about it like that um but yeah I've never been that I've never been that great at, at sort of think you know when someone says to you where do you want to be in five years? I, I really, really struggle with that because I'm like, I don't know who I'll be in five years. I can't answer that. I can answer that from this point in time, but that's almost, it's almost irrelevant. Yeah, like, I don't even know what I want for lunch. I mean, well, yeah, and this is the thing. It's like when I get to lunchtime, then I think, oh, what do I fancy? But I can't, do, I can't decide what I'll be craving when I'm not hungry. It's a similar thing. So I've always struggled with that question. Even when someone, even like a year, I, or I think, I think, I think what I've realised, and this probably actually does does in large part answer the question, I, I have a real sense of how, what it feels inside, the feeling I want to be getting, but I don't always have the words to articulate that feeling. So, and this has been, this will come up probably again and again as we talk, but it's really one of the things I've struggled with most in my coaching business and just the, all the strands of my business is that I know how I want to feel and how I want, how, how I want to work with clients and but if I can't articulate that in words, how can I, someone else understand what it is I can offer? Mm. Um, and I'm, I found over the last few months, actually, you know, literally the last few sort of weeks and months, I'm making quite a lot of breakthroughs in that, in that, um, in that respect. But for so long, I felt it, but had no idea how to explain it or share it. And that would massively knock my confidence because I find myself in, um, networking events I pull a face as I say that because I'm not a big fan of traditional networking <laughs> but someone would say so what do you do and I'd be like oh this question and I didn't know how to answer it because I couldn't articulate the the kind of the bigness of what I could this experience that I that I create through all these various aspects so then I found myself gabbling saying I have this food business and and I and I blog about recipes and I and I do like this photography and I do this design and I, oh, I coach people and I do retreats and it would just be spiraling into this like what am I saying? But there was this common thread, but I didn't know how to, to articulate the common thread. So, um, yeah, for a long time, I it just was in this space of feeling like a total imposter because I wasn't I wasn't explaining who it. I didn't even I didn't really understand who 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 I was or what I was doing. I could feel it, but that didn't just didn't have an external expression um yeah in what so, way has that changed in what way has that changed now and, and um what helped it to change i think one of the things is giving myself permission not to just focus on one thing there's so many things said you know just focus on one thing and you know get get really good at that do that really well and then move on and i've i've never been like that i've always been the kind of person that's got you know 10 things on the go doing them all all quite well um, also, that's how I've that's how I portrayed um, perceive myself. You know, instead of doing one thing really well, um, and so I'd I I sort of jump about a lot, um, and I'd always sort of yeah beaten myself about that because I thought, well, 
that's not how that's not how business works that's not what I should be doing you know all the shooting all over myself was was ah oh, for years um but then I realized that if I gave myself permission to embrace all the facets of who I am all the strands of what I do even if it does at times feel um unclear or if, if even if it does look like I'm I'm doing all these things and so how is someone supposed to understand what they can jump you know get on board with what I realized that there was just this common thread beneath everything, you know, that like there might be different external expressions, a fire walk. I mean, you know, someone might say, well, how does that relate to, um, I don't know, making dream catchers or, well, I suppose that would or eating a vegan diet, you know, all these different things. Well, actually it's about having people tune into the deepest sense of who they are, you know, get out of their head and into their body. That That's, you know, when you're on a fire, you really can't be stuck in your head. You've got to be really present when you're walking the coals. And similarly, if you're crafting, you know, if you're doing something that's making a dream catcher or knitting or whatever, you're very, you're mindful, you're in the moment, you're present to the, that that experience. Um, it's probably why, similar reasons to why I, I like yoga. And, and with nutrition at a cellular level, what I noticed, uh, I'm not going to go off and talk tons about um, plant-based nutrition, but it, it very much brought me into my body in a way that nothing else ever had. Like the clarity of mind I had, that mind-body connection through transitioning to a plant-based diet was was like incredible. I mean, that that was partly what spurred this entire life change, um, transition out of you know, the corporate life. But it's all about, you know, getting out of your head, into your body, and and just giving yourself permission to be there. So when I had this greater sense of how it all sat together I just suddenly felt so much more confident in what I shared with the world because yes I might be sharing about a firewalk I've got coming up but actually the deeper kind of golden thread that ran beneath that you know it 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 then ties in all the other things I've got going on there's this there's this common ground that that's the thing I'm ultimately sharing and so it just I just found there was so much more clarity there and it gave me more confidence that other people would understand whether they did or not. It's kind of almost in my own mind. I'm like, I know what it is I'm sharing now. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that. Some people might say, oh, well, that's a deeper purpose or a deeper meaning or, you know, um, what's your, what's your, like your one message? We can call it whatever we want, mm-hmm. but there's, um, I, I really get the sense of that. And I'm thinking, yeah, well, what is that for me? And it is really about um, helping people live, um, with more joy and love like mm-hmm. pretty much everything i do is around is around that but as you say that manifests in a whole number of ways mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. You know, coach people in corporate positions in leadership corporate positions and stuff as well as just people helping them perhaps um, in their marriages or whatever but it 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 it, it affects everything we do mm-hmm. and clearly what you're talking about here you see that has an impact on everything we do and i love that you touched on there about this clarity if you like mm. and i'm you know i'm happy let's go there a little bit because like it's what is it what what has having that like exploring the impact of nutrition mm. um what has been the impact that you've seen from that so from a nutritional point of view we're talking yeah yeah so in relation perhaps to to the inner that yeah. inner clarity that you're talking about so yeah, so to backtrack a, a little bit, I mean, this this, this whole entire... I wouldn't be here today. I'd still be plodding along in the architect's practice, I'm pretty sure, if it wasn't for the fact I met a guy. Um, not with this guy now, but 
he I had never heard of the whole vegan thing. It, this was getting on for eight years ago. It wasn't mainstream. It, you know, no one people knew the odd vegan, but they were kind of like this weird. They sex were the freaks of the party, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, met this guy who was vegan. I thought, oh, okay, well, what's it all that about? But as I spent more and more time with him over the course of about six months, because he only lived around the corner from me, so I began spending much more time living his place. I was eating the way he was eating. Until one day, probably after about five or six months, I realized that I was kind of 90% vegan. And the, the recognition, because it, so it was an accidental transition. I hadn't planned to go vegan. Um, but I felt so much lighter. I felt so much more energy. I was waking up at like 5 a.m., bouncing out of bed, thinking, what do I do with this energy? Um, I didn't need to lose weight, but my body shape changed. I just had, and it was almost like a sort of fog had lifted, like, I mean, I was eating very healthy whole foods. I wasn't kind of a junk food vegan. So I'd tightened up, I guess I'd, I don't really like the word cleaned up, but cleaned up my diet and gone plant-based. But I just felt so much more open to possibility. It's really difficult to describe. Um, he, there, was, there was other things about him that triggered, I mean, my mind was kind of open. So I think I was very ready for new ways of looking at the world. And then he happened to have Asperger's. So his perception of the world was very different from anyone I ever knew. You know, it was like he would say things to me such as, but why are you doing that? And I'd be like, well, cause that's what you do. That's what I've always done. He's like, but why are you doing that? And I'd be like, oh, yeah. Like, just because that's what you always do doesn't mean that's what you should be doing, you know. And it's a similar thing with eating. It wasn't just about the food in my plate. It was once I questioned the aspect of my life, something I'd just done because that's what you do. You have your meat and your couple, you know, your tea veg or whatever. Um, it rippled into everything else. Like that idea of, whoa, hang on. The world I'm, I've been living in, it's just like, I've just, you I mean, you said at the beginning, like peeling back the layers. I it literally like, whoa, hang on. What I thought was reality suddenly has just been exploded. So it's a combination of having his sort of, yeah, like way of perceiving the world combined with this dietary shift. So you've kind of got the whole, you know, the mind body thing. And it was just like an explosion, um, which is what led to me to quit life as I knew it and, <laughs> and start, <laughs> you know, start over. Um, so it was very, you know, the, the plant-based shift was, was an integral part of all of that. It was kind of, like I talk about nutrition being a gateway. So when I work with people, I don't, tend to work with people at a nutritional level but it's it's one gateway into you know coming to know yourself at a deeper level it's not the only gateway but it, it's you know if you want to optimize kind of everything at a cellular level this is this is kind of the one way this is how I do it um actually at the moment most of the work I do doesn't revolve around nutrition at all but it's but it's still a really integral part of kind of like my own lifestyle. And obviously when, when you draw people into your world, it, it's interesting because even if I, we may never talk about nutrition, but often there's a commonality of they're vegan or they're vegetarian or they want to go more plant-based. We might never talk about it, but it's that common value. And I think that's a big part of what I've learned is that it took me a long time to move away from coaching around nutrition because I thought that was my specialism. And I was getting bored. I was getting so bored of, of coaching around the kind of the just, you know, someone would say, oh, I need to eat more protein. What can I eat? I'm like, this isn't interesting. This is not creative. This is not, 
this is not like looking into what's possible. This is not like how, how can you live your very best life. This is kind of get stuck in, you know. And I, and I got stuck in that space for a long time because I thought, well, I'm, I, I'm a plant-based coach. You know, this is what I do. And it's like, well, no, that's just the gateway into the space. This is the space over here. You know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's not the part I coach around. And so that was another moment of clarity, um, which probably happened last year I'd say I, I moved away from my work f- focusing on nutrition even I, st- I mean my blog's called including cake I still blog about recipes I still create retreats and the food element is such a huge part of it for me so in many respects nothing's changed but in other respects everything's changed because it's the focus of what food creates in that experience it's not the food in and of itself that I want to work with people on so it was, it was my own relationship to that that changed and when that changed and when I was able to put that out into the world you know with this sense of clarity with this kind of golden thread of this is this is the element this is this is what it is about food that I'm talking about um then it it just everything kind of slowly shifted alongside I mean I I feel like I've just waffled for the last five minutes but there's so many aspects of food that you know it's a massive part of my own journey it's a big part of what people tend to gravitate towards me around but it's not the thing I end up coaching around in and of itself but it forms part of the experience i love that you use that term opening up to possibility Mm -hmm. and i think i watched a video of yours uh a a while ago about you talking about this how um and you were indeed walking along the beach actually oh yeah 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 yeah. um and um you know shared some things in that video about being open up to possibility despite how much things might not have gone as you would have as you would have Mm -hmm. liked um Mm -hmm. but really just like i think you spoke about you know Grounding yourselves in that, grounding mm. yourselves in that possibility. So you said, you know, this has very much changed over the last year. I, there's two things really I'm curious about here. One is like, how do retreats come about? Mm. <laughs> um, and two, where do you, if anywhere, do you see that, see that going? Like, what are you seeing now that's, that's, that's possible that you hadn't seen before? There's a nice story, actually, when you ask the question, how did the retreats come about? There's a nice story that I'd like to share about that because I think it was in 2015. Yeah, January 2015, I was working with um, my coach at the time and we were kind of looking to the year ahead and and, I, and I'd, never tra- I'd never traveled on my own. I, was, um, I wasn't in a relationship at the time and I wanted, I just had this sense, I wanted to explore more and exploration didn't mean necessarily traveling but obviously that's something that is often a key part of it and I had this sense I needed to explore more I needed to find myself and that potentially could be helped by just being in other areas I'd never traveled on my own I'd only ever traveled with friends or family and the idea of boarding a plane on my own just terrified me I didn't know what it was about it but it just terrified me I'd never had to travel for work so it'd never been a thing I'd never had to do it but I realized in this conversation in, with my coach in, this, in January 2015 that if it was a big block for me and I, and, and I was on my own at that point and this was something I, I just felt like I really benefit from just getting over. And so I gave myself this challenge um, of between January and my birthday, which is in May, to, to, go, to book a trip. Um, and in the end, in, in the March of that year, I, I went on Airbnb and found somewhere like a room in someone's house because I thought I don't necessarily want to just get an apartment that's just me in it. You know, it could be quite lonely. I thought I'll, I'll, I'll be in, you know, a room in someone's house and see that as a base. 
Um, you mentioned the Canary Islands earlier, but this was in Lanzarote. And I could have picked anywhere. I mean, I was just looking for somewhere in Europe that was sunny. And in May, there's a lot of places in Europe that are sunny because that's when I decided to book it for, for my birthday. Um, so I could have picked anywhere. And it has happened to land on Lanzarote, happened to land on this website. Um, and the, the guy, he had a family, but it was the, the guy that was writing the profile. He talked about the fact that we're vegetarian and I didn't want anyone to cook meat in the house. And I thought, oh, that's great because I'm vegan. So that will fit. So when I, when I messaged them to, to say, you know, have you got these dates available? Oh, I'm vegan anyway, so that would be great. He said, oh, oh um, you know, that's interesting. We can have some great chats on that topic. Didn't think anything of it. Anyway, went along there, got myself on the plane. And um, and actually, side note, I realized that the moment I sat on the plane, all the worries disappeared. What I'd been worried about was the logistics of making sure I got to the airport, getting through all the logistical stuff. The moment I was on the plane, there was absolutely nothing I could do. And the, I, the words trust the process. I remember looking out of the little pothole window thingy um, as we took off thinking, trust the process, because there's nothing I can do now. And all the worry just went. Um, and it was, a, it was an amazing trip. But off the back of that trip, because I really connected with the family, um, I came home and a week later I had an email from, from Daniel, um, the guy I stayed with, and he said, I've been meditating on this this morning and I've been thinking more about, more about this. I think we should run a retreat together. I was like, just do it. So five weeks later, I was back on the same plane, the same time of day, <laughs> went back over there, and we did a recce around loads of different um, retreat centers and Airbnbs and stuff. And then, and so that was in the July. And then in the November of that year, we ran our first retreat in Lanzarote. Um, just, just over six months after I'd ever gone away on the plane on my own before. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it was an incredible retreat. He, he brought the yoga element into it. He's very into shamanic stuff and he knows the area like the back of his hand. He's lived there 20 years. So he did all the nature and the yoga and I did all the food and the, the space holding. And, um, but it was incredible. And so that's how, retreats this idea of these immersive experiences were formed um and it was just you know i could have picked anywhere to go i i could have totally failed and not gone away at all you know like but it, it was overcoming that fear just finding the right place to land um in his house creating that connection you know sort of mm -hmm. talking about a bit and then being open to be like you know i've met this guy for like 10 days and I'm just going to run a retreat with him. Let's just, why not? You know, I don't, didn't even know if I could get the people. I'd never run a retreat before. Would anyone trust me? Um, he didn't really have a, have a network of people. So it was me doing all the promotion. And it just came together as it, just perfectly. But I had, I had no, I didn't plan. You know, he talked at the beginning about, do I have this vision? I didn't plan for any of that. And had I had that vision, and if that vision hadn't included, because it probably wouldn't have done, retreats I could have said no to him because it wasn't on that on that path so I sometimes think the problem with having a really fixed goal or this you know like this is my vision is that you don't see other doors opening um and I suppose on the flip side if you don't have a you know really this really big fixed vision you get a bit kind of like oh let's travel over here oh shiny thing over here which I tend to do but you know very much this door opened and I jumped at it and less than six months later, there was a retreat, um, which is crazy. <laughs> but that's also <laughs> part of, you know, being open 
to possibility rather than yes. that like okay i'm setting the intention and this is my goal and i'm blinkered and i'm staying mm. focused and i'm only allowing in things that fit into my somewhat somewhat mm. limited vision mm. of how i think it should look mm. and and you know i've tried that and it's friggin painful actually mm. And also realizing on reflection, oh, my God, look at the things that I just let pass by. Whereas I'm, I'm just finding increasingly just about everything in life, actually, just being much more open. Sure, there are things that I would like, but I tend not to. It's like I have a want. Yeah, I want this in my life, but then I'm not focusing on it, which is counterproductive to what mm. a lot of people are teaching. Like I'm not mm. putting all of my energy and focus on it. I'm like, yes, I have that desire and let it be and see what mm -hmm. unfolds. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. mm, which is exactly how that came about and then, and since then I've done more I think I, I from that experience I realized the power of connection of community of creating a space of bringing the various elements of food and nature you know all these various experiential experimental experimental experiential things into that bubble and since then I've sort of thought right what is it what's the energy of that what's so special do I want to create in other ways so it might just be a, a day's workshop but it combines all of those aspects it might be that what I, what I love to do at the moment um where I'm currently living there's a beautiful nature reserve that I can walk to um and I'll invite clients to, to meet me there and we'll have walk and talk sessions um I'll often be on my on my headphones as I am today and I'll be walking around the nature reserve on a call with the client and because I can think and be and I can be present so much better when I'm in that space and there's a forward momentum um and so even a you know a 90 minute walk and talk session it still embodies so much of the essence of that first retreat so it kind of comes back to feeling and this this almost this multi-sensory environment I think you know it's a big part of why I it's almost like I need that. That's like my life force almost in a way. I was going to say what I try to create, but it's, it's almost for me, it feels necessary to create this multi-sensory experience. Um, yeah. So you, you, <laughs> you, you also mentioned like in that video that I watched um, about how you had realized that you don't need to be influenced and dictated to by society. Right. Mm. And, and, um, I wrote something about this recently, really, about how we allow even what we think we want to be influenced mm. by, you know, culture and society. Mm -hmm. So I wonder how, having seen that, what, what, if anything, has changed for you? Can you see how that was at play, perhaps, and, and how that well, I mean, the whole dietary thing, you know, goes back to the plant-based shift. That, that still is the the most kind of fundamental biggest influence once I questioned what was on my plate it enabled me allowed me to question everything else um and little things like you know there was it was one thing eating that way at home but going to a restaurant and saying um you know I don't eat meat and especially back a few years ago when that wasn't the mainstream thing that pushed me way out of my comfort zone to be the annoying one to be you know to be causing a hassle um and it took me a while to do that. You know, I'd be 99% vegan, but when I ate out, I'd compromise. And it got to the point I'm not prepared to anymore because it's just, it, 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 I can't. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. So I'd have to be the annoying one. And then I got comfortable with it and then it became more mainstream. And then it, and so it became a non-issue, like a total non-issue. But I remember the painful bit of feeling like I was just being this annoying person, like saying what I needed and what I believed and, 
and it you know, not knowing how it would be received because sometimes it'd be received with a bit of a oh, you know here we go sometimes you'd get someone who'd want to go all out and they'd love the opportunity to do something different for you so you could just can never anticipate what the reaction would be um so that's still my my biggest learning um and it's allowed me to to tap into that same space of discomfort i guess in in other ways you know non-food related ways so uh yeah I'm just trying to think what was the exact wording of your question because I might have gone off track. <laughs> well, I was just curious really about where you, 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 I think you have answered it because I was asking really about where have you noticed that you were uh, perhaps conforming, if you like, to societal norms and think, allowing yourself to be yeah. influenced and dictated by that and how that had changed. Another area, I remember when I was in the architecture practice in a very male-dominated industry, um, I'd often feel obligated to power dress and to turn up to meetings kind of like using my feminine charm or whatever didn't feel didn't sit right with me um and ever since then I don't think I've worn a single piece of like smart attire (laughs) ever since but it was that thing of even if I go to events and stuff it's like well I'm not I, I need to dress in a way that feels totally comfortable and genuine for me okay I might not rock up in my sports kit even though I'd kind of wear that often day to day but I don't, I'm not going to wear something that I think, I know this is all my story around it, but it, you know, it took me a long time because initially I was sort of, I was dressing smart in a way that I felt fitted the, the, the event I was going to, but didn't really fit me mm. necessarily. So, but making that shift, like it just made a massive difference. I mean, I could be standing up speaking to, there was, um, uh, a festival I spoke at last year I didn't even wear shoes I was just barefoot on the stage and I was like I mean it was a wellnessy festival so it was easy to get away with that but but I was at a, um, an event the other day which it wasn't it was a sort of a proper stage and there was other corporate people and a guy there had no shoes on I was like right that's that's kind of like you know level 2.0 that's what I'm doing next on a, on a non-wellnessy stage <laughs> I just have no <laughs> shoes because it was kind of easy to do it before but it's little things like that that and it if someone were to look at me and go, oh, she hasn't got any shoes on, well, that's good because then it, it, it creates that question for someone. Is, what, what, is that right? Is that, it, it creates all that questioning. And I like to, I know if, when, when I saw like I speak with no shoes on, I like the fact that it made me think, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's quite daring or whatever. It, but it, it did something for me. It stirred something up. And I thought, well, potentially that's what I'm doing for other people as well by being fully me in a way that might be to some degree outside of the expectations, it creates that permission giving. There's a sense of permission giving, I think, because when I see someone else do that, I think, oh, I can do that too. Um, and so I think sometimes reminding myself of that, it's, it's, not, it's not just about me, because one of the things I'm always told by like, my mentors is like, stop making it all about you, you know, put yourself out into, into, into their world. And sometimes I think, well, why am I getting so caught up in my head about me, me, me? And actually just let all that go and just kind of be and then just trust that actually it will, it, yeah, it will do what it needs to, it will help who it needs to. The people who get it are the people who, who need to get it. It doesn't matter if people don't. You know, it's all that noise that can get so clouded. Um, and, and I often yeah. say, like, the biggest distraction in my life is me. 
It's like mm. it, it, there's there's a step beyond even trying to be you, trying to be mm-hmm. ourselves, and that's just simply allowing it, not even giving it kind of any attention. Because that yeah. the same voice that says, "Oh, I want to be barefoot on stage," is kind of the same voice that says, "Oh, you shouldn't be barefoot on stage." Mm-hmm. It's just a case of oh, let's just let it be, and it and it reminds mm-hmm. me. Um, not because of the disheveled look, but, you know, the, the first time I met Steve Chandler, <laughs> which is about five years ago, and he turned up at this event, and he was really disheveled, and he just showed up, and it looked all a bit disorganized and whatever, and and uh, I think I've spoken about it on this podcast before, and like, it looked like he really didn't care what other people thought of him, which actually there's some truth in that, because his entire focus was on how he could help others, mm. and he was just being himself. Like there exactly. wasn't the focus on himself in in trying to be himself, mm. which in a way mm. is, it, that's just a flip side of the same self obsessive coin of where yeah. we think, oh, I need to try and be myself more. No, just mm. just be, mm-hmm. just be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, Joe, how are people and clients finding you at the moment? <sighs> Various ways. I'm I'm definitely finding more and more people are finding me through. Through referrals from others, one of the things that we haven't touched on too much as yet is what I've been having kind of a lot of success with recently is this this hybrid between coaching and design because mm-hmm. I realise this it's almost this and the other thing we haven't we haven't touched on which is really quite surprising because I spend so much of my time talking about it but I think it's probably the essence of all of this is this idea of vulnerability and allowing ourselves to be seen um, and so because I'm in the, sort of the wellness world wellness circles. A lot of the people that I come into contact with, be it clients or potential clients or whatever, um, are also in that kind of space, um, often very resistant to being seen. You know, they, they know their stuff. They're very good at their therapy. Um, but, but, but showing up is, is just a, there's a massive resistance there. And so I realized that from a, from a point of view of like emotionally, like mentally, you know, showing up, and also the design of their like websites. I mean, I'd see a poster and it was kind of like you know, Comic Sans or this really floral font. I'm like, this is not serving you, you know. Okay, it's my perception, but this is not this is not helping you. But I I can sort of like see all sides of this. I can see your greatness, but I also see that this is a real turnoff, and that's gonna this is gonna be holding you back. And so it just suddenly it kind of organically grew from having done all my own design work for so many years and obviously back in architecture, there was quite a big design element there. Um, designing my own websites and my, my, all my own promotion and then beginning to help other people who all happen to be in the wellness industry in some form. And then that grew into helping tease out their story and tease out, you know, the person behind the therapy they taught, you know, because I think everybody in this kind of world there's a reason there's a reason we became coaches there's a reason that you know a massage therapist got into massage therapy like what's the story and I love that I love that part and actually bringing that out so many people write their about page on their website and it's just so lifeless I'm like I want to know who you are you know and I have a conversation with someone put put the put the last half an hour of our talk into that page um and so I began to really work into that and create packages that, that this kind of hybrid between the both, you know, this this graphical representation, but also this teased out version of who they really are. And so I'm really enjoying that. And I'm I'm intrigued to see how that will expand and evolve. And I don't know, I think I think what I love about that as well is there's a tangible aspect to it, because that's always been one of my my biggest struggles 
and if I'm honest, it, it still is. It's offering, how do you, you know, it's the whole thing, selling the intangible kind of, even when I was in architecture, I'd drop a set of plans and say, here you are, pay me your X amount of thousands and here's your plans. I've, I've got something to give you. Um, and it's, it's probably the thing I still struggle with most when my little monkey mind chips in is like, well, who are you to be, you know, um, charging this for what, what, what have you got to give them? So finding ways to sort of almost not, not sidestep, but overcome that through something that has an element of tangibleness to it, which for me, again, it's creating this experience that, that has depth, but also something that's a bit of an anchor point. Um, has it's been working really well. So that's yeah, that's something that a lot of my energy intention's been going into, like you know, bringing the the story out and actually then translating that into the business. So yeah, I think it's very easy for, as well for people to overlook that. You know, mm. the the power of having somebody really see you and they reflect mm. that back to you. You could put mm. a full step there, and that's like pretty amazing mm. but to then be able to create something tangible as you say be it mm. a web design or whatever that then is much more representative of you it's so mm. easy to overlook that like i know mm. so many people i've done it as well we try and do it ourselves but actually i don't I, I just think because of the nature of what it is to be human with all of our fears and insecurities and whatever we're not really that great at being able to truly see ourselves mm. through all of the shit that we have going on yeah, yeah. about ourselves so to have somebody you know like yourself who can really see and then mirror back and create mm. something of that is invaluable yeah 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 totally um so that's yeah that's that's something i'm yeah really fascinated by um there was another a little um, reflection point that I was speaking to a coach a few, a few weeks ago and I'd always talked about, you know, I help people, um, what did I, what phrase did I use at the time? I, basically I help people, you know, um, step into the best version of themselves. I think is what I said through all these various things. And I was talking about some of the blocks and some of the resistance I had. And I think, you know, we'd, we'd been talking a little about that. And he said, well, if you were able to let go of that and you were able to sort of fully, fully immerse yourself you know in your work you're able, able to let go of the um the all the shoulds and things and he said well what would what would happen then you know what would be different and I said you know I'd allow myself to experience all of myself and I was like oh and even as I said that like I'd get you know I'd, I think I said I'd get to experience all of myself and it's this permission giving thing I think we were talking about at the time and I was like oh and then when he followed up with an email on my signature at the time, on my email it said, I help people um, experience, become the best version of themselves or whatever. And it's like, you're really fluffy and generic. And he said, well, what if you flipped it and said, I help people experience all of themselves. And what I loved about that was the fact that it, it's not just saying, here, have the good, good stuff, but it's saying, you've got to experience the shitty bits as well and be willing to be with that. And I thought, wow, that's really powerful because and, you know, I've had some some tricky bits this year. I think I talked about it in my Celebrenia video. I, I came out of a relationship that I thought was, you know, the one. And that was really hard. But actually, it gave me some really rich lessons. And because I was willing to be with that, and even in the the difficulty of the energy of that experience, I was still able to sit with it and just allow it to be and embrace, like, embrace it and almost, I just want to say enjoy it, not in, not enjoy it, but be enjoy the intensity of it the fact that there's a spectrum of emotion and i was able to experience all of that spectrum well that's that's you know it's quite an amazing thing the fact that i get to experience this sadness like as weird as that sounds i get to experience that 
and learn from it. And it was really beautiful. Even in the pain, it was really beautiful. So that idea of helping people experience all of themselves, like, that's it. That's the thing. Um, I don't know where I'll probably go off on a tangent, but I just wanted to kind of bring that into the conversation. Um, because that's, I feel like that's, that's where I'm going with, with my, the clarity piece is around, you know, I help people experience all of themselves. And at the moment, a lot of it's around this kind of design hybrid, but where that will go, I, I don't know. Mm. Um, and, and I do enjoy workshops and, and group stuff. Um, I've probably done more of that than I've done one-on-one work. And I think that's just this experimental, experimental nature that I, that I haven't, I, I've still yet to find my way of having that translate in the way I want it to on more virtual stuff. Um, this is probably the, you know, one of the biggest focuses of next year. It's like, well, how does that feeling translate into a, a call with someone on the other side of the world? Um, mm. <laughs> and, you know, you've spoken about vulnerability as well. Um, it's like, I often wonder, what is it? You know, if, am I still carrying something in my pocket that I don't want people to know? Mm. Um, it's kind of like, you know, when you're walking with a limp, but you're trying to hide it. From <laughs> Um, and I suppose like for me, so, you know, because nobody else that's listening to this right now, mine would be like, I don't, I don't really want people to know how lonely I get at times. Right. Cause I, you know, I work on my own. I spend a lot of time on my own and I think, mm, and I, I kind of deny, I try and deny myself that experience, but when I allow it, then cool. And yeah, there it is. Um, I allow it, it passes through mm-hmm. and there's even some beauty in that. I wonder what it is, what's what's the stone in your pocket that you wouldn't want anybody to see? The thing that the thing that I struggle with and I and I and it definitely the whole imposter syndrome kicks off a crazy riot, is that at this point in time, I'm sitting in a bedroom in my dad's house, because that's where I currently am. I ha- at this point in time I haven't got my own place. I realise now that's partly through choice because I want to be tr- quite transient. I don't want to pin myself down but actually there's all sorts of reasons for that relationship finances various things but I hate that's a harsh word yeah I struggle with the fact that technically I'm living at my dad's house and who am I to be this whatever when I'm I'm I'm, you know at my dad's house and that that keeps me I I do a daily battle of that not keeping me small Mm. and I find it incredibly difficult because Ooh, you know, it's and I and I and I project it onto what people must be thinking of me, if if and when. And often, don't people find people don't always find that out because it's not something I, I need to share often. So it doesn't need to get found out. But I, I'm I massively beat myself up about that because I don't think that someone at this age, at this point in their career, and all these things, it's where all the shoulds fall down on me, and it just like brah, and I and. Yeah, that's my that's my biggest struggle, mm. is saying, I'm living at my dad's house right now, <laughs> and like, and I'm saying that, and but like, and I'm like, people go, um, and I'm and I can in my head, I'm trying to okay it, I'm trying to like, oh, but but you know, I'm, I'm thinking of all the reasons that, and there are reasons as to why, and it's like that's just just how it is right now, and actually, it's the most sensible solution right now, and it fits my lifestyle right now in terms of traveling or whatever, and. There's nothing wrong with that, but yeah, I'm I'm still making it really wrong. Well, it's like it's like you know, there's a there's a fact here which is like, oh, I'm at my dad's house, full stop, period, and then we add all this other stuff, 
after yeah. the period, you know, which really is just noise and, and meaning that we've so created, noise. what we've created out of that. Because oh, like, I guess mine would be, well, you know, I don't want people to know that I'm lonely because that means I haven't got my life together. I don't really know yeah. how can I. But the, the crux of that is like when you, talk, when you mention that to me, the first thing I'm thinking, actually, that's, well, that's inspiring, quite frankly, that you managed to help other people. You know, mm-hmm. here you are, you're, you're in these in these particular circumstances and you help people like mm-hmm. what well, to me, that's like inspiring. Mm-hmm. And you, when you just mentioned then about, um, oh, I feel like, you know, I haven't got my life together. That's exactly what I think uh, in my own head. I'm like, oh, because I haven't got my life together or certain <laughs> things kind of collided. And, you know, it meant that, OK, well, this is now the situation. You know, I haven't got my life together. But in many ways, I suppose on the yeah, on many ways. Well, well, I have because this is the perfect platform to allow me to just take off and go to Spain at the drop of a hat. And because I mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah. And it. it it is nice to be reminded of how other people perceive that because I just, there's so much noise around that. Yeah. It's my, yeah, like, like my biggest, as you say, Estonian pocket. Um, I think so, yeah. this, whole, this whole thing around, um, <laughs> it, it's, I think it really helps people actually to, to, to see, uh, do you know, I don't think any of us really has our life together. We might fall into <laughs> the illusion occasionally, mm-hmm. but, you know, one thing life looks very good at doing to me mm-hmm. is as as giving us a slap around the face when it's mm-hmm. most unexpected and and um think what even is this thing mean mm-hmm. oh, i've got my life to, i mean come on that's another one of those things i want to question like what does that mm-hmm. even what does that even yeah. mean that is yeah. just another that's another way of of us exercising some form of self-judgment i mm. think yeah yeah. So, um, Joe, time's flown by. I knew, like, I, I, I knew, and before we even started talking, this would be one of those conversations where I thought, like, we're never going to be able to fit in everything <laughs> I wanted to talk about because you do so, you, you do, you do so much, and that was, yeah. you know, what, a, what, what uh, drew me to, to inviting you to come on, which thank you for. <laughs> so, I've just got a couple of more questions for you. Okay. So, um, yeah, if if you had a bunch of uh, coaches in a room mm-hmm. um, that were starting out perhaps they hadn't reached the nirvana perhaps of covering their own living expenses and what have you mm-hmm. and you just had a 30 second message for them what might that be mm. a two-word message was be vulnerable um like and and it's like well what does that mean like the share the whole there's a thing often gets bounced around you know what i don't want you to about me you know whatever that is share that um i think the second thing would be share that message share that whatever it is through the platform that you feel most called to so if you like writing write don't think you have to be doing video and whatever if you enjoy video just do loads of lives if you want to just do audio do you know share through the medium that feels the best fit with you and then expand from there don't feel like you have to be everywhere because that will be coming across as inauthentic and forced and share when you've got something to say and in the medium you want to say it but within that, be as vulnerable as you can, mm. I guess. Love that. And and then finally, so for you, when you reflect back, what is the purpose of the work that you do? Predominantly, I think it's creating space for people to get out of the head and into their body, because ultimately, that's what that's the journey I'm on. That's, and I know from my own experience, when I'm in this space, in this really, I say heart centered, but that can be a bit fluffy for some, in a really grounded body space life just flows in a way that it does not when you're in your head and so if I can just create 
opportunities and spaces and conversations for people to access that and, and get it and oh I can't feel I get it then that's what I want to do beautiful thanks very much for coming on and <laughs> you're for welcome your time today Joe that's you. been great thank you so much I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation with Joe. I love how honest she was in sharing how she feels about her current circumstances there at the end of our conversation because we all have a version of that going on. We all have things in our lives we'd like to be different and indeed would like people to see differently about us. And for the most part, it's irrelevant. It's just stories about ourselves that mean nothing about our ability to be of service and to help others. And the most prominent thing about Jo, as well as her wanting to live in alignment with what's in her heart and being the experience of her body, as she describes, is her willingness to be open to possibility, to allow things to unfold. That beautiful story of how her first retreat came about, a perfect example of that. It seems to me that our blinkered focus on what we think we want to create can often mean we miss opportunities the universe has for us. I was listening to a Michael Neal recording just this weekend. He said something like, I lack the imagination of the universe. He recognized that he lacks the imagination of the universe, which I thought was a brilliant insight. He allows the imagination of the universe to show itself to him. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. I wonder if there is anywhere in your life you could be more open to opportunity, could be more open to life showing things to you that you had not imagined. I'd love to hear from you and possibly explore with you. Each month, I'm selecting someone from listeners like you that have contacted me to have a follow-up conversation that may be featured in a future episode of this podcast. What's your one thing you're taking away from this conversation? How might things be different for you if you were more open to possibility? Okay, I'd love for you to share this podcast with people in your community so that more people like you can benefit from these conversations. And if you're willing, it will make a huge difference if you take just one minute to leave an honest review on iTunes. If you do that, please let me know. I may have something for you in return. Okay, thank you once again for listening. I wish you much love and joy.